Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. So welcome to the Creating Synergy podcast. Today, we've got a little bit of a a different type of episode today. We're focusing more on the health of of returning to work and injury prevention. We've got Roy Papalia today, who is an exercise physiologist by trade and a workplace rehab specialist. He has over 15 years of industry experience and he runs his own business called Allied Health Consulting. Allied Health specializes in injury prevention injury management, and they have a strong focus on the movement of the human body. So thank you very much, Roy, for being here today. Good to be here. Thank you. So how did you get into this world? Give us a little bit of background. It's an interesting world. So I've uh, been involved in the workplace rehab sector for a variety of years, predominantly under national providers, and uh, it was very much driven by billable hours. See as many clients as you can over over a day and over a week. Try and do as much as you can. I felt a lot of the interpersonal relationships were uh, were lost as a result. So I come from a background in exercise physiology, and uh, we had a really good opportunity for myself to be a pioneer in South Australia as an exercise physiologist to engage in workplace rehab services. So I was one of the first to deliver functional capacity evaluations in SA as an exercise physiologist. I was the first to go out deliver a worksite assessment as an exercise physiologist. It was often physiotherapists, occupational therapists providing that service. So um, we allowed for my kind uh, to engage in this service and it's now um, an actual topic uh, in the undergraduate degree. So we uh, made some good pathways on that end. But I always felt that uh, the, the, the concept of myself as an exercise physiologist and engaging with a client um, was lost we suddenly called a client and a patient a worker. So that interpersonal relationship definitely was lost. Mm. And, uh, I stopped uh, trading as an EP and became more of a workplace rehab consultant and I felt that that connection with the patient was lost. So I decided to pull back, get back onto the tools as an exercise physiologist and just focus on the basics, which is interpersonal relationships. And that's where I developed my company called Allied Health Consultant. And what we mainly focus on is bridging the gap between a lack of communication between treaters and other stakeholders. So it's not just a treater with their client, um, but it's a treater with the employer, a treater with the insurer, a treater with the doctor, a treater with the workplace rehab consultant. That information wasn't occurring. I guess the the client um, was lost. So uh, Allied Health Consulting is about consulting with everyone. And uh, we started to move from the whole consulting side of things back into a few other additional services that I felt that we could offer that would help us build the business. And that's when we decided to implement the movement um, service, which is focusing on functional movement, functional restoration, work conditioning programs. We then added on safety consulting, which is focusing on workplace orders, audits, risk mitigation. And then what we have coming up in the next couple of months, hopefully, is the wellness um, consulting, which is going to be a wellness studio. So uh, we're hoping to have an on-site wellness studio that allows for us to offer a variety of support services. So not just exercise and movement, but we're looking at other options, massage therapy, Reiki. Uh, all those type of complementary services. So um, that's exciting. Um, it is. And so, so what, just yeah. for everyone listening, an exercise phys, right, exercise physiologist, their core function of that? It's, it's movement. Movement. Yeah. Okay. And movement so it's, it's people who are not moving? Like what's the, what, what's the background? Yeah, so we, we're, we're always regarded as the younger brother of physiotherapists. Physio, yeah, the long lost um, cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're the, the, the little... <laughs> We get the, the leftovers at the end. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so physiotherapists are, are predominantly focused on, you know, the acute injury treatment. Yeah. Uh, occupational therapists focus on, you know, occupational recovery, mm-hmm. um, returning back to, you know, not just occupational but movement, like, yeah. up, you know, upper limb, et cetera, upper limb movement, upper limb function, something that was lost as a result of injury, okay. a, a task or a movement habit. 
what we focus on is that is that movement physiology. So we uh, physiotherapists generally treat musculoskeletal injuries where exercise physiologists by trade can treat a variety of um, chronic conditions, not just a back injury, but cerebral palsy, um, stroke rehab. So okay. we're specialised in providing a tailored exercise program and functional restoration program based on the condition and its safe parameters when it comes to movement and function. Um, is it, so when you say chronic, is that you mean? Something that's existed for over six months. For a long time. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the definition of chronic. It's okay. something that um, has gone from acute phase um, to chronic. So a chronic back injury is something that has been existing for at least six months um, and it hasn't gone away. So I think a big part of the reason why we wanted to get you on today was to really discuss the world that we are living in at the moment, the working from home. We're seeing, well, I know, I think well, what, how this podcast started, I guess, was really about me having problems with my back yeah. and, uh, and, and my hips and everything like that. Just from sitting at my desk all day, I'm no longer at the office, we're working from home. Uh, just, and then, you know, the old starting at eight, finishing at eight yeah. <laughs> at night time, it's just longer hours because you feel like you can do more work and less breaks and less walking and all the above. So you came over and you helped me out with a few exercises. You also told me to set up a, a sit-stand desk and got me a new chair and did all the right things for me there, which was great. Uh, what, what, what are you seeing as, as a current trend right now yeah. in, in this world? Are you seeing more and more uh, people calling you or businesses calling you because their people are suffering or is this something that businesses should be starting to think about in the background? Yeah, I, I think what we're presented with at this particular point in time is the approach that businesses feel like sending their employees home is enough, enough to cater for COVID-19, mm-hmm. enough to reduce the risk of COVID-19. Before we even got into the COVID-19 pandemic, um, there was a lot involved in um, the requirements for an employee to be eligible to work from home. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, assessing. Yeah, that you, you had to. I used yeah. to, the company I used to work for. The only way when you could work from home was if someone you had to be assessed. assessed, and assessed and you had to make sure you had the appropriate ergonomic setup, setup. Yeah, the appropriate ergonomic equipment. That's been lost. Yeah, because the COVID nineteen pandemic has overtaken, and we've just not been able to do it. Yeah, the, the the volume of that yeah. has has surpassed its requirements. So, what we're seeing is the unfortunate byproduct of uh, employees going out bringing their laptops, bringing their computers, bringing their keyboards, taking it home, and they're left with some basic information on how they need to set the workstation up. And they're working in, in, in different areas. It's not a desk. It's, yeah, it's you know, a kitchen, kitchen table. Kitchen table. Well, the, the thing is, is families are going home and they've got a husband and wife both working from home. Who gets the desk? Right? Yeah. Who, who gets the office space? And so the, the, who's who more gets important? The office we've we've had this conversation mouse. before, right? Yeah. But with, with, on a previous podcast, but it, it's really interesting because when you're sitting at a kitchen table, you're in a little 15-inch screen and you're sort of hunched over looking at this screen all day long, it can cause some, some issues on the body. Yeah, time. and what we're seeing is those issues developing into discomfort mm. and we, we start to focus on early intervention and what we need to understand is discomfort is the first point that we need to start thinking about early intervention and avoiding that discomfort from developing into an injury or yeah. a condition. So, but we're seeing, again, employees are starting to become a bit conscious on how much they need to harp up. So yeah. they don't want to be presented as an employee that is causing issues from working from home. Yeah. And with COVID-19 and the uncertainty over the future, their jobs, job certainty uh, is, is questionable. So they don't want to harp up. Um, they just you know, go they, back to they what get they on with to it. Do. Starting to work, like you said, eight to eight. I think that's a really interesting point for businesses, though, in the sense that the communication of actually speaking up is critical because they might end up with a whole bunch of claims on their on their yeah. hands after if they because regardless whether the employee speaks up or not, the injury will still occur. Yeah. Therefore, the employee is are yeah. they liable? How does it work? Yeah. Well. Right now, there is a bit of a shade of grey. Yeah. So, um, but realistically, when you look at, let's just say South Australia. So, with the return to work assay legislation, uh, there are two types of injuries that are set. There's a physical injury, 
And a physical injury stipulates that if it's accepted as liable by the employer, it there needs to be work needs to be a significant contributing factor. When so we, is that like you're at you're at work, you fall down the steps? Is that, yeah, that type yes, of injury? Yeah. And it, you result a, in a physical injury. So yeah. work, you wouldn't have had that injury result as as a consequence of work. Yeah. If you had a back injury leading in and you have back pain, commence your job. And there's no increase in back pain, but you decide to put a claim in. Work has not aggravated that back pain. There is a pre-existing non-work related. Hence the reason why we have medicals before. Yeah, yeah, and and medical, pre-employment functional assessments, medical assessments. Then you look at a psychological injury, and that's a bit different. It needs to be determined as work being the only significant contributing factor. So if individuals have a pre-existing anxiety issue or depression issue, and they put a claim in for a psychological injury, possibly because of stress, um, something at the workplace has occurred, uh, the risk of it being accepted, accepted suddenly reduces because is it an aggravation of something that's pre-existing or is work the sole contributor? Now, unfortunately, in situations where you know, paramedics um, are exposed to significant trauma, that's a different scenario. Mm. Um, but when you're in, involved in a, a high-demanding role where you've got anxiety and stress. it's process-driven and it is a stressful job, it's going to be a bit hard to, to have a claim accepted, yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah, because the, so, best, the best you can look at is, is possibly an aggravation of a pre-existing. Okay, so do Workplace SA or Work Health, is it Work Return health? to Work Return SA. to Work SA, are they more inclined to side with the business or the, the person who's claiming? Both. Both. So, so it's, it's a it's, process yeah, okay. to determine and what they often do is accept the claim provisionally. So it's, we, we term it provisional liability. So if there is a psychological claim where there's a lot of uh, stuff attached to it, so it could be a workplace bullying and harassment claim or a progressive depressive claim or stress, workplace stress, they'll put the banner of provisional, uh, provisional liability, which pretty much says that, okay, whilst we're determining it over the next few weeks, next few months, we'll accept your claim, we'll accept lost time, we'll accept medical expenses until it's determined. If it's determined and deemed accepted, as in the employer is the reason why that yeah. has been, um, then we'll continue to provide you with income support if if there is lost time, medical and or like expenses. Yeah. If it's deemed not accepted, so work is not the significant contributing factor, then the provisional liability will stop. They don't know owe anything, uh, the, so the worker doesn't owe anything to return to work. Say they just move forward. So okay. It's a Sort of a, a catch twenty. So there's a, there's a small win there for the time being. You get a month off in the <laughs> process, <laughs> or a couple of weeks off. And able to sit down and talk to a psychologist yeah. for a few sessions. So. so we sort of we digress. Sorry, you said there's a few different types of injuries. Yeah. So psychological so what being yeah. the other one, and yeah. then, and then so one? physical injury and psychological so. injury. So the shade of grey scenario is uh, what stipulates a physical injury. It's something that is attributed to work being a significant contributing factor. So if you are working from home and you were to slip uh, on a wet floor yeah. or if you were to hurt your back whilst working in front of a workstation uh, where there's a poor backrest, then it is a physical injury that has resulted as a consequence of work. So is it, so the is liability it based on work remain. hours though? So they're working from home in COVID-19 and they uh, decide at lunchtime they're going to go out into the backyard and do some gardening. And, all of, and, and while they're doing that, they put the back out. It, it, is that, that's a grey area that you Yeah, want. it is because it's dependent on whether the worker will say working. Or oh, I'm working. It's during work hours sort of thing. Well, the, I'm entitled it, to is, a lunch is, break. Is work the attributing factor? Are they actually going to report that they hurt their back well, whilst working in the garden? Because then we're presented with the, the next scenario. The, the blanket idea that workers comp equals untouchable, particularly around job insecurity. So what we're also seeing and what we need to be mindful of is, and I've, I've seen it with employers that I work with, suddenly claims are starting to, like not necessary claims, but claims that need to be t- determined are starting to increase because when you're on workers comp, the 
the way things are calculated. It's called um, notional weekly earnings. So it's a calculation of the last six to 12 months of what your average weekly earnings are. Now, suddenly people who have been stood down or might be in a one week every four weeks Uh, where job job keeper payments (laughs) is less than what the average weekly earnings are, they'll do their research. And uh, so we're getting into positions where people are, uh, for security, putting claims in in the hope that it doesn't get, get accepted because a claim necessarily will last for up to two years. But in the in the process, at least they're getting a month of their average wallet. Well, it could a be set. a claim, you know, as long as there's lost time, it can continue on for up to two yeah, years. Yeah, wow. So that's, that's something that all employers should be aware of. Well, yeah. Aware of, yeah. Yeah, and... You you need to back the determination process. So when it comes to return to work, say they've got two claims agents, they've got Employees Mutual Limited and Gallagher Asset Services. So they have uh, liability officers, they have uh, claims assessors. So they have uh, specialists that go in and determine what the claim, like the claim, and determine yeah. its acceptance. But it's very easy for a, a worker to say that they hurt their back whilst working in front of a workstation versus gardening. So can they turn around and say, I've developed, you know, we talk about chronic injury, chronic being six months six, or more. So they can't months. turn around and go, I've developed a sore back just from sitting at my desk at home. Now it's, well, an injury is an injury. So whether it's acute or chronic, it's okay. still an injury that is a consequence of work. So a chronic injury is an acute injury that remains persistent. So what we're seeing if we move away from gardening and we, we veer towards what happens when you're sitting at work, mm-hmm. we're seeing musculoskeletal injuries. Um, and that is, they're generally acute injuries by nature. So they're injuries that will subside with appropriate treatment and intervention. And we're seeing so that development. Yeah. Not set up. What I'm seeing a lot of is back, neck, uh, dominant upper limb injuries. Yeah. Where there's the a mouse, you know, the yeah, mouse they're and... they're the areas that are more exposed to that degree of repetition. And when you combine that with an incorrect posture, um, because of a, a a poor workstation setup, uh, that's resulting in an increased risk. And we're we're veering from discomfort into pain, mm. um, and that's why we need to go in before discomfort. Mate. I think this is what you and this is why I called you. Actually, was the simple fact that. You were in pain. I was in pain. Yeah, was, your discomfort I was waking up in the middle of the night where my back was, I was in, in agony. Uh, it was, I was not sleeping well because my back was sore and it all started just from sitting at home. Mm. Uh, so the stand-up desk at the moment has been absolutely amazing. I'm sleeping through the night now, which is and like, that's it's amazing of, how quickly yeah. the difference is though. And that's because a sit-stand workstation has worked for you. Mm. You move. Yeah, you move around a lot. As I understand what your role is, yeah. so you're moving out around quite a bit, um, taking calls, making calls. Uh, a sit stand workstation needs to be used appropriately as mm-hmm. well. Its term is a sit stand workstation, yeah. so you don't want to be standing for oh. consecutive hours. Yeah, we're not generally used to standing to work. So, and it goes back into movement. The the whole concept of a sit stand workstation is to promote. Mm. So you want to be regularly rotating between sitting and standing. But even just the setup of it forces you to sit up a bit straight as opposed yeah. to sort of hunching because everything brings it brings everything forward. So you don't even have the chance. And, and it helps out when uh, it it allows you to minimize use of a wooden chair. Yeah. With right. no back support. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite heavy, uh, quite yeah. hard to sit on. Yeah. Um, so so we, we we're looking at the three main areas that I see are, are definitely your your neck set like your neck um your your back and your your dominant upper limb and I say dominant upper limb because that's predominantly the the limb that you use to not only scroll with the mouse but uh, drink your coffee with uh, drink your water with mm. uh, you know make and take a phone call with so we're seeing that repetitive sustained overuse of your dominant upper limb. So what's the suggestion? What do you what do we say to people now? They get up every half an hour. Is it as simple as that? Or assess your workstation? Make sure all the above, combination. All yeah, the above, it's yeah. it's not one size fits all. It's okay. it's based on an individual circumstances. And, and, so and you are interested in doing that before it even begins to hurt. We need to yeah, set this up early intervention yeah. is much more effective than injury. Obviously, <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we're definitely looking at okay. Well, 
how long can you sit for before you start to feel uncomfortable? Is mm. it two hours? 80% of that. So maybe at about that hour and a half mark, you want to proactively get up and move around or change your posture. But you want to get up and move around before you feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable and then you decide to react to that, it's unfortunately too late. Mm. You've already triggered a reaction. So we want to figure out, okay, well, how long can I sit for? Uh, how long can I stand for? How long can I key for? How long can I remain on my phone for before I start to feel uncomfortable? You want to pull that back and change that task and change that posture at about that 80% mark. And with that, you want to move. So when we look at movement, the, the reason why movement is such an integral component of any pre predominantly any sedentary work task behaviour is because it counteracts what is the issue when it comes to sedentary work, and that's a lack of movement. So when we don't move, our muscles fatigue much more quicker. When we don't, we start to fatigue much more quicker. And when we don't move, we start to feel uncomfortable much more quicker. And the muscles are stronger when they move. So if you're not allowing your muscles to move, they're going to fatigue much more quicker. I heard a quote once, to rest is to rust. Yeah. So, and yeah. it just stuck with me. It, it, that was probably more aimed around exercise and everything like yeah. that. But if you're not doing anything, you, you, I think your body just needs to move. Yeah. And it? when you look at the physiological changes associated with a sedentary work behavior, when you don't move, when you, you're not active, uh, your bone density starts to reduce, your muscles start to deteriorate. So that is, that is proven evidence-based physiological change associated with a sedentary work behaviour. And that's why even in the return to work scheme, we, we, we try and promote remaining at work rather than the, the old standards of staying at home, lying down and resting until you because at work, at least you're probably moving around, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're obviously talking a little bit more about uh, sedentary work behaviours, but then yeah. what we've got is another spectrum of, um, you know, the, the tradies, oh, yeah. um, the industrial area. That's a completely different scenario where um, that's much more a physically demanding role. If you have a back injury. Concrete. Yeah, yeah, if you have a back injury and you're told by a doctor to rest for six weeks, good luck trying to return back to that role off the bat. Yeah. You know, so, um, and that's another field. That, so with that, we obviously try and promote remaining at work. Um, and that's another well, area that we're looking at. Duties yeah, yeah, because what we're just seeing, we're obviously focusing more on working from home, but we're having a lot of uh, industry-based companies uh, having to enforce the JobKeeper payments on their staff because there's just literally no work. So we've got the, the brickies, we've got the boilermakers that, generally in a physically demanding role that are no longer working. So suddenly they're becoming weaker at home, they're becoming yeah, well, you know, weight increases and that's another work work issue as well upon a return to work. Yeah, because so. there's extra snacks at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having the same problem. I'm yeah. about five kilos yeah. in the meantime. Uh, so, so is there something that leaders should be proactive at? Like, what's your suggestion to leaders in, in their businesses? Tell them to get on top of this, or what's yeah. Your, we'd hope that leaders are putting thinking the, about yeah. They're the putting the appropriate steps in place early and on, but it costs money. It does. It costs much more money to manage a work injury. But right so, now, in a yeah. world where there is no well, not there is no money, but there's you know money's tight, like less work coming in, a lot of uncertainty. Where the leaders? What what should they do? What are some what's some low hanging fruit? I guess that they they make a call. Leave? Yeah, give them a call. How are you going? Yeah. Anything that we could do, you know, provide some information. So up the communication. Yeah, definitely. Uh, everyone's busy. We can understand that. But like we said, a lot of these employees, they're, they're worried about job security. They don't want to harp up. They're, they're, they're fearful. They're, they're, they're going to be the last people that are going to say, hey, listen, I'm uncomfortable at work. Mm. Um, so the leaders should be making a call to them saying, hey, is there anything that we can do? Do we need to provide you with further information? How, um, how are you feeling? How's your yeah, body? how are you feeling? Some question you normally issue? ask, but I think you yeah. should. Yeah. And it's, it's also important to understand that everyone's human. Everyone you know, has yeah. thoughts and feelings and the leaders needed to be supported as well. Mm. And we'd hope that in, in, in companies, the leaders that are making these calls have the knowledge and understanding to provide some basic strategies around, all right, well, what does it look like to set yourself up correctly? Or do, do they need to... Call Allied Health Consulting, mm. <laughs> um, or just what, seek advice. Everyone should just, yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so I'd love today to provide some some really generic information to everyone that is for free, 
um, around what the basic parameters are to ensure that everyone remains safe when working from home. Go for it. So we first look at a chair, okay? So seat, sitting. The sitting. Yeah. So we want to avoid sitting on hard surfaces. So the wooden chairs aren't the most appropriate things going around. Um, so if you only have a wooden chair, maybe put a cushion underneath, a bit of padding. Um, you can actually uh, purchase some cheap, affordable, uh, insertable lumbar supports um, to increase the degree of, um, uh, re- sorry, reduce the degree of pressure applied in the spine. Yeah. Because okay. what happens when we're sitting versus standing, that's 1.4 times the amount of pressure on the lower back. Okay. Oh, really? If you're sitting incorrectly, that can go up to two times the amount. So we need to and be so mindful. So what's incorrectly? Hunched over like I'm Yeah, right leaning, <laughs> leaning forward. That's so it. Stooping chest the shoulders. Up, chest out. What's the what's, yeah? Well, what's it's the it's rule? realistically using the the support of your backrest. Um, okay. So you want to be leaning on the backrest rather than leaning forward, arching your back, and using your back to fully support your upper body. Oh. Okay. So use the backrest as much as you can, um, and. We, we don't have the luxury of determining whether angles are suitable. Let's just say that we've got uh, a kitchen chair that can't be adjusted in height. It can't be adjusted so in angles. Ones, these ones we're sitting on right now. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so we, we need to be mindful of how we use a chair um, and we need to be mindful that we have constraints associated with adjusting the chair appropriately. So, again, move as much as you can. Try and avoid sitting for long periods on a chair that does not provide added back support. Okay, mm-hmm. so we move. Good tip. Yeah, so we move into uh, sitting on a chair. We need to make sure we have our feet firm on the floor. When yeah, our feet are firm on the floor, mine are always tucked in <laughs> underneath. Like, yeah, I'm and going- when you do that, you actually again rely on the spine to provide much more support to your upper yeah, body. Yeah, so this is the, yeah, this is a big issue. Yeah, <laughs> so feet on the floor, it even evenly distribu- uh, distributes uh, pressure on your spine. So. Okay. As soon as your feet are firm on the floor, rather than um, legs crossed um, or one leg over the other or leaning towards one side, as soon as your feet are firm on the floor, it reduces the degree of pressure on your spine because your legs can start kicking into supporting your back. So make sure you're sitting on the, the back support with your feet firm on the floor and that will provide a really good foundation for you to remain as strong as possible. It's uncomfortable though. Sitting like that. And then I say that in all sincerity. I, I find when I try to sit, feet on the floor, back sort of perked up, there's only so long that I can actually sit like that. Mm. Is, that do you, is that something you see quite a bit? Yeah, or? yeah. And that's when we get back into, okay, well, how long is that for? Is that mm. for an hour? You should be getting up after 80% of that every 45 to 15 minutes rotating. So I was told every half an hour. No? It depends on Not what by you, you feel. Yeah, it depends on what you feel is, is your tolerance. Well, so so if every half an hour, you're not doing any work. Oh, you can still change your tasks. You can yeah. adjust your tasks because what we're trying to do, if we're we're trying to promote movement without it having a negative impact on on your yeah. on your work performance. Makes sense. Um, so change your tasks around. Allow that as an opportunity to get up and take make or take a phone call. Um, Move. That's what we're trying to say. Like you, you still need to perform your task, but you need to move move as frequently as possible. So you've got a sit stand workstation, yeah. so that allows you to get up and stand. I think even something that Gabriella does is she gets Microsoft Teams on her phone. She'll walk around on her phone. Sometimes her camera doesn't work. That's why she does it. But <laughs> it's more about. It's. I think it's a good idea. If you instead of being sitting at Microsoft mm. Teams or on Zoom at your desk. Leaning forward, yeah, get up. Around. You could even just walk around while you're zooming yeah. and that's, on your phone. And that's integral because our body is stronger when we move. Mm. So what we're seeing, your issue, well, your reports of, of being unable to sit for longer than 30 minutes is, uh, is a, a result of accumulation. So it's adapting poor behaviours early on in the piece to a point where at 30 minutes you're uncomfortable. Mm. Maybe a month ago that was sixty minutes, and it's just progressively worsened Got, over time yeah. because we become sedentary. Has. Yeah, your muscles start to become weaker. So what I so, do so, say, so don't sit on your leg. You know those people that kick their leg under. Yeah, their leg. that just changes Isn't, how your pelvis is positioned, it and that causes cause a, a, a change in how yeah, how your your bum muscles support your back. Yeah, and uh, and how your spine is positioned. As a result, so it's just not good. It's not good. Yeah, no. you, you want feet firm on the floor. 
and it's again we're looking at well if i can't sit for 30 minutes i need to get up and move around and what we also promote often is stretch breaks um, or periodic pause exercises so we've got um, micro rest breaks so what they are they they are five to ten seconds of doing completely the opposite of what you generally do Mm. for that 30 minute period so if you're stooped down leaning forward looking at the laptop you want to do perform the opposite of that for five to ten seconds every 25 to 30 minutes irrespective so the opposite of that is stretching your arms out pulling your shoulder blades back pushing your neck up standing if you hold that position for five to set ten seconds, that's increasing blood flow and circulation to the muscles that are fatiguing. Body, it? It yeah, it gives it. us a, it gives the muscles that are pro- progressively overloaded a chance to catch the breath a little bit. So I would say, don't stop, but perform a micro pause. Perform some stretches whilst you're working. Move. So you can move whilst you're seated, and mm. it have a really positive in, in, impact on on your body mm. and allow you for to, to continue to see. Uh, to sit for a longer period and if you have to get up get up yeah okay so that's the the concept of sitting we then move towards looking okay so performing work in front of a of a computer screen so when we look at neck injuries we're seeing the most uh, the, the the biggest consequence of a neck injury is a computer or a laptop screen that is just positioned way too low based mm. on your field of vision so what you need to make sure. So that causes hunching and yeah, yeah. flexion of your neck. Yeah. Okay. And There's no difference to looking at the phone all day long. Though. Yeah. You look down. You, yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to be looking at the phone for that extended period yeah, of time. Yeah. Yeah. You true. know, it's just well, naturally you're going to be looking around. <laughs> so, um, so we look at all right. Where, where's the monitor position versus your neck being in a neutral um, posture? Mm. We need to make sure our field of vision is within the top third of the monitor screen. So if our neck is in a neutral position we want to make sure the monitor is in this height as well not this height so the top can, of the monitor just your eyes are below the top yeah of your the eyes are looking at the uh, well your field of vision and therefore your forehead is within the top one third of the monitor screen okay. not down here not down here. okay how can you adjust that when's the last time you used a white pages or a yellow pages oh, do they even deliver they still deliver it do they? yeah i've got the 2020 oh, um so you want a sturdy um Base. Support, yeah. yeah. So you can, you can get look at from, sturdy books. You can books. get one from Officeworks for 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah, well, there's we a, bought some for the team. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few books that you probably don't use that have got a nice firm um, support as well. plenty of books there, yeah. Yeah, you know, so something that's sturdy, something that is going to allow for you to raise a monitor to the height that is required. Mm. And that keeps your neck in a neutral position. Again, our muscles work. What if you're working just on a laptop? Get a monitor. Is that the advice? I would say you can... If you don't have an opportunity to have a monitor, you can use a laptop, but you just need to make sure that that laptop is used for a, for a monitor and a monitor only. So you went, then want to have a keyboard and mouse um, and use that as your frequent... And, and raise the... And just use the monitor as a monitor screen. Yeah, okay. Um, because the monitor is... Uh, so the laptop is one of the most poorly designed ergonomic... Pieces of equipment, yeah, ever, yeah. I don't let. So you like don't this let Mr. Gates or Mr. Jobs here? Yeah, he say that. I'm sure he won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, I'll so, send him a personal copy yeah. of his podcast. Um, so <laughs> this is what you're looking at. This is what you're doing when you're in a laptop. Yeah, it doesn't so you, look natural. Yeah. Does it? So put the laptop on a monitor screen. You can even go to Officeworks and spend fifteen, twenty bucks on a laptop stand. Yeah. Okay. Attach a keyboard and mouse. Three USB, um, yeah. USB ports. This is where the question comes into the businesses have to pay for that or does it should the individual? I mean, it's all tax deductible anyway. So yeah. Can... So realistically, my opinion is it is a, it is a business's re- responsibility and a requirement through workplace health and safety to ensure they are eliminating and mitigating against risk. Okay. Um, and with that, it's equivalent. When you're at the work, when you are in the workspace in the office and you go to your, your team leader and you say, listen, I need a monitor stand. Okay, cool. We'll get work to pay for it because it's part of the work. Setup. Yeah, correct. You're at home, still doing performing work. work. Yeah. Listen, I need a monitor stand. It should be the responsibility of the employee to ensure that you continue to remain. So safe. when everyone goes back to work, who, what, what do we do with all these monitor stands? 
back to work. <laughs> Give it back to work. Because it is uh, it is the employer's product. Yeah. So that needs to ret- be returned back to work. If you are going to self-fund, then you've got that for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, And then when we look at on the insurance spectrum, uh, when we have injured workers that are working from home or injured workers that are performing suitable duties somewhere else, if something is purchased for them as part of their claim, that's theirs. Mm. But on an early intervention injury prevention modality, when a monitor stand is provided to an employee, that is not the employee's, that is the employer's. Mm. So if the employer purchases it, purchase it, you are obliged to return that equipment back to them yeah and they'll well, it's put not it yours. down stock. it's not yours so and that's the catch 20 if you if you want to have that moving forward so that if you are ever required to work from home based on selection and preference um then you have that available for you if you make that purchase okay so we're looking we've looked at the neck okay so let's review feet firm on the floor use the backrest as much as you can we're looking at a neck being as neutral as possible. Raise that monitor stand as much as you can. Mm-hmm. They're the, probably the we're looking at probably the two most important components. Um, then we look at the third injury risk that we're seeing commonly, and that is a dominant upper limb injury, a repetitive strain injury. So the best way to to focus on early intervention on that end um, is to be aware, like I said, that you're using that arm more often than not. So not for the mouth. Yeah, well, just and, that dominant upper yeah. limb, not just for the mouse, but to drink your oh, water, yeah. to drink your coffee, um, a lot of to make a take from <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. dominant upper limb is exposed to repetitive and sustained overuse. Yeah. So that's what you were fiddling around on my shoulder the other day. Pec my, yeah, my yeah. Pec. and that's that over protraction, extra yeah. large pec there. <laughs> yeah, right. it, uh, yeah, but so is that so? That's that result of yeah that of that when you touch rounding. Yeah. yeah, so when you round your shoulder girdle, mm. you cause tension in the the top portion of your chest muscle, and that generally pulls on other muscles. Then yeah, it? that will that will cause um, added tension on your this area here, which your which shoulder. is your upper trapezius muscle. And if you like so, your so your shoulders, yeah, your shoulders, yeah. <laughs> and then you like so, and that can cause some tension headaches. So, yeah, okay. um, so what um, what attributes to that? fatigue occurring much more quicker it depends on where the mouse and keyboard are positioned Mm. first and foremost so often people will put the keyboard and mouse far away because they want to put their notepad in front so suddenly they're reaching forward (laughs) yeah fine so they're (laughs) reaching forward um, with their keyboard and then mouse so what happens when you reach forward in this position you're tense you're causing tension in certain muscles you're stretching other muscles both postures are not what the muscle wants. The mm. muscle wants to work in, it's in, in its optimal function, which is literally in a neutral position where the shoulder is by the side and your elbows are as much as a 90-degree angle as possible. Yeah. So you want to make sure that the keyboard and mouse are as close to your primary working zone as possible. Yeah, okay? absolutely. If you're looking at documentation occasionally, be mindful that you're sacrificing a frequent task for an occasional task, so we're at least frequently. So move the keep- notepad out of the way. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because you, you, you're probably on you're on and your computer and your, your yeah. Laptop, use a notepad keyboard. only when you're using it. So yeah. place it away when you're not using it, and then relocate. Well, I think that's there. the beauty of what that sit stand desk does is it, it doesn't allow you to have the keyboard anywhere else other than directly in front of you. Therefore, your notepad has to be off to the side. Yeah, you yeah. Can't even, it segregates. can't be in front of you because then you can't use it. Yeah, so. and we we definitely don't want to be in a position where we're promoting a sit stand workstation. So so that all employees have one. No, um, we don't. Yeah. Because no. <laughs> that we, we, we're aware of costs. I think yeah. well, I, I, yeah. I have, but I, you I have, have a previous back injury. Yeah, so yeah. That's and why. you have pro- proactively engaged in an alternative where you have, from what we've identified, you have attempted to adjust your workstation as much as possible conservatively around what you have available to you. But like you said, Without getting into parameters, there were some pre-existing issues that we needed to work through. Yeah, and I've as had a back injury since I was eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old. Yeah. So yeah. So time. on your end, there was some justification around the ongoing use of a sit-stand workstation. Mm. So it's, let's veer away a little bit and be mindful of what it what it means to have a sit-stand workstation. Um, it what first and foremost mean that an assessor such as myself, an external party, will need to provide a service, uh, an assessment to mm-hmm. determine whether that is actually something that is feasible. 
And that generally on our end comes from people who have pre-existing issues, mm. back complaints yeah. that have not alleviated despite numerous attempts to adjust the chair, um, make the chair as padded as possible, as supportive as possible, adjust the workstation as much as possible. But that continues to, re- to remain. So just on that, so say you go to a, a, a client's house and you say, and you do your assessment and you put these recommendations forward and you say, look, it is a sit stand, they need a new chair, whatever it might be, and it's going to cost you a thousand bucks. If for a small business, that might be a, a big hit. Mm. Where does what happens then? Once the assessment is that you need to have this set up, mm. well, you need. We believe that this will definitely positively help you. And the employer goes, "No, it's too expensive. Can't afford it." Then what? Well, they're increasing their risk of liability. Okay, because we can understand that there is a shade of grey. So they're if back it's into a work a corner almost. Yeah, to a degree. So they just need to make sure first and foremost that they're doing something about it. They're being proactive. Yeah. Us as assessors. Uh, there's there's a different way that we look at things at home versus at work. So um, despite COVID-19, I've been involved in a lot of assessments at workplaces where individuals have recovered from a non-work-related injury and it's seen, it, the best setup is to work from home. So a knee injury where they don't have to travel to and from work, they can mm. just set themselves up at, uh, at home. So we start to apply a common sense approach and what we're seeing is the basic fundamentals um, a really hard chair, um, a high desk, a laptop. We can proactively influence that yeah. significantly and result in and just as much comfort as work as possible. Yeah. yeah, Because what we're seeing is uh, an ergo, ergonomic assessment is not the bee's knees in terms of the equipment that uh, is provided thereafter. You can have a $5,000 chair if not you, if you're not using it properly. If you're still it, sitting on your leg, then it's important. Yeah, it's non-existent. Or if you're leaning forward. So um, effective doesn't equal costs. It doesn't equal cool equipment. It doesn't equal you know, an ergonomic mouse with a contour you know, design. And it means change what you're doing, right? Yeah, it's movement. It's proactively influencing what you feel is the area of discomfort. So, um, yeah, so the little things, um, it's not about having a real cool keyboard. If it's, you know... Still sitting for half a meter away from you, that doesn't mean anything. So, we want to make sure you are set up ergonomically. So, when we set someone up at home, we're following those parameters, making sure they're as ergonomically safe and sound mm. as possible. If they're working on a chair that can't be adjusted and on a desk that's too high, and therefore they're reducing yeah. the elbow angle and causing fatigue in your small muscles, what can we do to positively influence that? Okay, well, let's have a look at seeing as to whether there might be another area that's going to be lower that they can use, Um, not just the desk that they use in the study, but the kitchen table might be lower. There's no reason why you can't use a kitchen table if it is much more ergonomically suitable. Bring your chair down there. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Or do we need to put some, um, you know, some... Cut the legs off. Yeah, or some padding, you know. (laughs) Like you can can have um, like elevation, so uh, foam supports and that that are cheap and cost-effective. You can pay for a $20, $30 insertable backrest. You can positively influence that to push yourself up so you're a bit more high and you, your hands are in a more of a neutral position. Then if your legs are dangling, we can organize a footrest. Mm. Um, do you need to pay for a footrest or do you need to find a sturdy box that is at home or a, a, a step, 10-centimeter step that you use to um, acquire your groceries from the, the high-end range in the butler's pantry. You can use that to keep your feet firm on the floor. Mm. There are so many things that you can use at home that will be equivalent to promoting a sound work, uh, mm. workstation. And Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about workplaces, but that's pretty much been my life in the last two months with COVID-19 as an exercise physiologist. We mm. don't have the luxury of gyms being open. Yeah. We're going into Bunnings getting oh, yeah. you know, uh, the, the watering cans and we're filling that up with five litres of water because that's five kilos and we're doing squats with watering cans, Rocky style. Yeah, um, nice. because you what happens as well. You're chasing <laughs> chickens. Because what happened is uh, within literally 24 hours of South Australia advising oh, that all gyms were closed. couldn't get a single dumbbell anywhere. Yeah, everything got sold out. So Piss me off. we had to... And now they're, they're, they're starting to restock shelves and just go on eBay. Yeah. Gyms will open next week. Go on eBay. Monday. There'll be, there'll be a few. Yeah, there's <laughs> a, a lot of backlog now. So 
So yeah, so we've we've had to be uh, unique in how we we think critical thinking. We'd have we have to sort of look outside the square a little bit, not just on the workplace safety when it yeah. comes to working from home, but it's also on a on a treater's level, yeah. making sure someone continues to be active. I think well, that's one thing that you told me. It's that because I I had some issues with my lower back and glute muscles, and it was something that you mentioned to me, which kind of threw a curveball for me. It was I, I thought stretching was the the answer, and you were telling me no, it's actually building the strength back in that muscle is the answer, not the stretching. Stretching could potentially do more damage. Mm. So that, can you just elaborate? Yeah. On that? So we we look at joints, the spine. When that posture is incorrect, it results in a, a, a different interaction between uh, muscle groups, mm. often agonist-antagonist muscle. So yeah. an agonist muscle, for example, when you flex your bicep yeah. versus antagonist. Well, let's use the, my example as a perfect. I was having lower or upper glute or glute problem, and then but the pain was in my, in my side of my back almost, wasn't it? So is that the, the antagonist thing? Yeah. Is? So what, what your presentation was um, – you were trying to stretch a glute muscle that had already been stretched enough. Okay. So it's like an elastic band. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. Right. <laughs> all right. There was no muscle at all. <laughs> no. So obviously we think movement. movement, yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah. So And it's important. Stretching is a form of movement, but strengthening is also a form of movement as yeah. well. So you look at how your pelvis is positioned. It's positioned in a way where what was happening is you were stretching your um, your, your glutes. Mm. You already they were already stretched, and you're also as a result the muscle of tightening. Yeah, the muscles above the pelvis started to contract, and that's where you're feeling that uh, discomfort. Yeah. And then you were laterally flexing towards the right side. So what we did with yourself is adjusted it a little bit. We told you to stretch the muscles that are tight mm. and strengthen the muscles that are weak. So when a pulled muscle is pulled even more, it becomes a weak muscle. Mm. Um, so we got you to do glute strengthening exercises and back and lat Stretch, stretching. stretching. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely helped. And it was a week ago, wasn't it? It was a week ago. Yeah, it was a week ago. Yeah. And it's, I'm sleeping through the night now. Oh, there you go. Which is amazing. Positive outcome. So it is. What are some of the things right now that HR leaders of the world, uh, you know, WHS leaders of the world, what are some things that you should you suggest to them given the, everything that we've just talked yeah, about? Yeah, so I'd mentioned before, give the employee a call. Make sure they're okay. Um, it's a very stressful situation for everyone. But I guess more from a, a policies type thing, is that should they – should companies write policies in place that they need to call? Yeah, like so there, a should lot there of, be a procedure? Yeah. We need to make sure that we do so call we've got, as opposed to yeah. just hoping that someone does? Or? Yeah, so, I mean, we've got a safety consulting component where we offer a service to help um, an employer write a COVID-19 risk checklist. So on a COVID approach, just making sure that all the boxes are ticks with, with a risk checklist, you know, the one and a half metres apart, one person per four square metres, yeah. et cetera. But we also need to be mindful of, of what it looks like on a working from home and a returning to work scenario. And the, if we're dealing with employers, what it looks like on a liability level. So if we're having a lot of employees that are set up incorrectly and they're having discomfort and they're entering back into the workforce, there's going to be the, the possible chance yeah, of Yeah, that's of a, a big risk. thing in that returning to work right now, changing yet again your... You're working arrangement. Yeah, when you yeah. might have just got it wrong, and when you have that, you've had it wrong for the yeah, past. Yeah, and months. and when you compound that with uncertainty and fear of job security, um, when you're stressed, you fatigue physically mm. quicker as well. So it's an environment that is not ideal. So you need to be diligent with ensuring that the safety and the well-being of every employee is addressed appropriately. And it's just not on a physical level. Um, it's all on an emotional level as well. So a lot of these big companies have something called EAP. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. So that's mm -hmm. the Employee Assistance Program. Program so yeah, absolutely. Um, make them aware that that is available to them and their significant others as well. Um, make them aware that they are there for support if they're re returning back to the workforce and there is some financial opportunity available. Get an assessor out to make sure they're safe. Um, provide them with information and advice on what they can do to proactively manage because what we're 
possibly going to see is uh, the, the scenario where people have that idea that, okay, I'm working from home. Okay, that's not a work injury as well now. But as soon as they enter the workplace, that's where gonna, they're going to start thinking, start right, seeing, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll see more claims? Well, we've, we've seen an increase in claims. Already? Uh, is that because of working from lodged? home? Lodged. A lodged. Okay. Yeah. Is that because I'm working from home, more claims? Do you, do you think that you'll get more, you'll see more when people do return? Yes. And they feel a little bit more comfortable? Yeah, yeah. About, I, I, about speaking up, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's going to be a, an increase in claims lodged. So we've got to be mentioned there's a difference between claims lodged versus claims accepted. True. Yeah. Yes. So there's, there's going to be an increase in claims lodged. Again, it's around the, the uncertainty of job security. People feel comfortable knowing that when they submit a claim, they've got income support for up to two years. It's a security bracket. And when, I mean, an injury is an injury. So just the claim, not, yeah. not accepted claim. Oh, well, if a claim is accepted, accepted. Okay. knowing that it's accepted is up to two years of income support. Support um, meaning not full wage? Income replacement. So it's based on your average weekly earnings. Average. Yeah. Now, COVID-19, and it's interesting um, what it looks like with JobKeeper um, and COVID-19 and what that looks um, on an average weekly earning level, you know, so. It's going to re- drastically reduce it. It is going to reduce it, yeah. So that um, your JobKeeper, you know, $750 in JobKeeper, that is part of your remuneration um, over that six to 12-month period. What we're seeing as well as we move forward to existing claims, we're seeing people who have been stood down where on, we're going to take it away from the employer's level but move on to the employee People who have been stood down, they've got two years of income entitlements. We're seeing people 18 months in that are nearly at the end stage of their return to work that they've been stood down and as a result, they're getting JobKeeper but the time that they have, that two-year period doesn't stop. It's still ticking over. So people are not getting the income support. They're getting the income top-ups, let's just say. So they're getting $750 for JobKeeper and they're getting a top-up, et cetera. But it's not like things are put on hold. So suddenly the, the idea is, oh, I'm losing time, I'm losing time. Is there going to be a, an injury, injury aggravation that is going to therefore result in it being a new two-year entitlement? So we're at a risk of claims remaining for a longer period of time. Wow. Um, and it could be sequel-like injuries or secondary injuries, um, workplace stress. We've had situations where individuals are suddenly lodging claim for workplace bullying and harassment, workplace stress. Um, so we're seeing employees looking at, and I'm not saying it's, it, it's, it's subconscious and it's a form of protection. They're looking at I mean, people re-injuring. Are to, yeah, people are going to try to get away with whatever they can try to get away with, aren't they? There, there are some dishonest people out there and absolutely well, we need to we, be aware of we, them. But we there call are also some very yeah, honest people. Pain catastrophizations. Well, absolutely. Hypochondria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to see that as well. We're going to not only see the increase of work injury claim, like claims lodge, but what I see is claims that are nearly on their way to being fully resolved for outcome that are going to be lasting for longer. Yeah, We could go on forever. I'm just conscious of time, but I'm, it's stress levels right now. Like everyone is stressed, I guess, mm. from a sense of job security, uh, income i've got my own bills to pay all this sort of thing and then there's not much work out there therefore yeah the element of stress not to mention the health concerns of family and everything else that, that comes with COVID 19 what is someone like yourself or allied health consulting or even return to work i say how does this we're seeing more claims of stress as well yeah so we we need to determine a claim to be accepted work needs to be the significant contributing factor. Okay, so, so you can't just that. say I'm stressed because of COVID or I'm stressed because I'm going to lose my job. You can say both. Yeah. You can say it, but, you, but it's whether a, it's accepted is the other um, question. Yeah, okay. so simple terms, um, that, will, that determination process might be a little bit quicker versus something where there is a significant history of workplace bullying and harassment. Yeah, okay. So we're going to see that and that's where we need to sort of focus more on your doctor, focus more on your health professionals, focus more on workplace support, focus more on movement, focus more of, on returning back so to the So it's the prevention piece. Yeah, the prevention side of things. Yeah. Um, we're always going to have our claims um, 
we're going to probably see the, the prevalence of that increasing. Return to work SA have got, and even self-insurers at that matter as well, like your Coles, your Woolworths, you know, the self-insurers, they've got a really good claims assessment process where they'll, they'll determine what is true and accepted versus what um, may be a bit more subjective and or non-organic. Mm. Um, so back that process, but it doesn't mean that that individual is going through pain and suffering. Is it a work injury? No, but it's still pain and suffering and that needs to be addressed. The employer has a duty of care to ensure that that doesn't turn into liability. Um, and the individual has a duty of care as well. So make sure you, 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 you seek oh, advice absolutely. from your doctor. Beautiful. Right, we're approaching the hour. Uh, we don't, we, uh, so I'm just conscious of your time too. Uh, you're a busy individual. We're going to move into some rapid-fire questions now to sort of okay. end the uh, – this is one of my favourite parts of the show. What is your favourite book and why? Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. It's the first book that I felt I was watching a movie through my mind. It's yeah, a right. long book, cleaned it up within a week. <laughs> I didn't let it go. So that, yeah. I so ended it's up a what, fictional book? Yeah, it's a fantasy um, medieval assassins sci-fi was it assassins and predators yeah by assassins apprentice by robin hobb it was the first of an initial trilogy uh, robin hobb then created a, a subsequent trilogy so it's about a young part of the term bastard which yeah. is the the offspring yeah of a, yeah. yeah so we've all seen game of thrones yeah too. so back in those <laughs> days they would train the bastards up to become assassins for the royal um for the king so yeah, wow. it's about um this individual becoming assassin so uh, yeah, it That's was literally cool. a movie in and my And so mind. is that the number one book you've recommended people? Or what's no, it? no, no, no. Um, it was actually a book so that you recommended. Yeah, it was actually quest. a book that you recommended to me. Do you know which one I'm thinking of? Get a Naked. Yeah, getting naked, yeah. yeah. So I've recommended that, recommended that to a lot of people, particularly um, consultants that I train and mentor. Yeah. And it's about consulting first um, and foremost. Absolutely. Patrick Lencioni is a genius. Getting Naked is the name of the book, so get onto that. I know you love you are you've just proven to us that you love your fantasy and sci-fi. So I threw this question in here. If you could be if you could have a superhero power, what would that be? Yeah, so someone's asked me this in the past. Always Batman. Batman. Yeah. Does he got power? What's it? His power is money. He's got oh, <laughs> so yeah. How no, good is that? Nah, nah, so yeah. So Bat nah, actually Batman, you look at Batman's, Shit, I Batman. Yeah, you look at Batman's story. So he had a really traumatic incident um, mm. that he could allow to affect him negatively, but he decided to use that as fuel to change the world. Yeah, so he's um, his mindset is yeah, yeah. his power. And you also look I like at that. Batman. I never thought about it like that. Batman as well, as he grew up, he was he thought he was the crap. So yeah. he was Felt like he can tackle the world, but there's different forms of Batman. He becomes older and he, wiser, he put, and put he starts to mentor individuals. Yeah. He learns later on down the track that he's stronger being a part of a team as well when he is older, and that's how they created Justice League. So Batman always learned from he, was a, he, he, was a, he always learned from his mistakes yeah. and turned it into a strength. So that's brilliant. Yeah, so, I never thought about it like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So. If you could be a character, I, I threw this in because I do know you on an outside level as well. So I threw this in there as a bit of a laugh. If there was a TV character, you told me. <laughs> if there was a TV character that best describes you, who would it be? Ross from France. <laughs> so on a, yeah. I know you can't see Roy at the moment, but he, my, for a long time that I've known Roy, he has been described as Ross from France. So I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, so I, I look like Ross and I act like <laughs> Ross as well. So Ross is... A character where he's a bit of a geek by trade. Um, he's a bit of an introvert a lot of times. He's a strange um, individual. Yeah, because I decided to <laughs> yeah I decided to look into it a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, but he's very loyal um, to his own. He um, is. and he protects his own. He, he um, absolutely does. He's definitely respectful, but at times he can be quite selfish as well when it's his own. So yeah, yeah definitely Ross for friends. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that out. <laughs> and and my favorite part of the day, what is your favorite dad joke? Oh, 
Where does a werewolf live? <laughs> Where does a werewolf live? In a warehouse. <laughs> I've heard that one before because that's what you—that's your only joke. I think. <laughs> that was for about five years. Uh, yeah, oh, brilliant. Thank you very much, Roy. Thank that you very much for having a me. Very, very enlightening podcast, especially for people who run their own businesses or even large corporations who are in HR, WHS, leaders of businesses. I think it's really important to get around. Um, and understand that people potentially could be suffering at home without them knowing they're suffering, without them even actually uh, suffering from a health point of view. Mm. So I think it's, I think this is just going to bring things to the forefront of people's minds, which and we appreciate you Excellent. being here. Excellent. Where can we find you? What is where? Where's Allied Health Base? Where? What's your email address? Yeah. Well, so whatever it is, tell right us. now we'll put it also in the show yeah, notes. So right now we're some- we're looking at transitioning into uh, an office. Uh, located around the sort of outskirts of the eastern suburbs for now i'm located a few days a week at a clinic called next generation occupational medicine Mm -hmm. otherwise i'm out and about mobile at various gyms when they open Mm -hmm. Um, so i would suggest best form of contact shoot me an email i'll be more than happy so info at alliedhealthconsulting.com.au that's correct yes beautiful shoot me an email i'll be able to address your concerns from there thanks roy appreciate it thank you very much cheers guys bye Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.